Stay inspired on the go with Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast from internationally acclaimed executive coaches, authors and ministers, Albert and Comfort Okran. You will be inspired and challenged with strategies to consistently reach for new heights. And now, today's message by Reverend Albert Okran. Tonight, we continue to explore the secrets of diverse leaders from various fields of, of endeavor. And this series, we've called it Critical Success Factors. And the, the background is simply this. If you had a, a group of emerging leaders, people who showed promise for the future, and you had the opportunity to share with them what, what would make them be the next world changes, what would be your prescription based on experience and based on observation. And so every guest we feature in this series is an industry leader in one way or another or one area of endeavor or another, bringing their perspectives and helping us to appreciate what it is that has been um, key for them and what lessons that we can glean from their own experience. So far, we've had Kofi Bentel of Money Ghana, um, Kofi Daze of Rankard, Alep Sanam Hari, Constance Swanika, Robert Henson, and last week's edition with Kobe Asma. My guest for tonight has built a multinational company in an industry noted over the years for being generally conservative in its outlook. David Ofosidota is a senior partner of ABN David, a law firm started in Ghana that has presence and affiliates in 23 African countries or so. He will tell us a few things about how to build multinationals or how to build institutional capacity to go beyond the borders and most importantly share his own critical success factors if you plan to move your business from ghana across the borders you just might want to listen maybe a few lessons might be useful for you but let me start by welcoming david to springboard david welcome thank you Robert. it's the second time isn't it yes right good to see you uh, have you here on the virtual university so we'll be exploring um, in, in a couple of moments what it is that has been the enabler in building a company that has presence in different countries, finding out what it is that makes makes it possible to cross the borders with your, your thoughts and ideas and and any unique observations in the different countries you have been in. And so those are the things we'd like to explore. But let me take a minute to share with listeners our commitments for the year 2015. 2016. First, improve yourself. Secondly, improve your value. And thirdly, improve your strategy or your approach. And these are the three commitments all year through. Improve yourself as a person, improve your value, and improve your strategy. Nine minutes past the hour of seven. This is Springboard, your virtual university. That gathering point virtually where leaders from various fields of endeavor converge virtually to, to share ideas and to test various theses, various concepts, and, and, and improve ourselves every Sunday evening. My guest for tonight, David Ofosidoto, the, the founding partner of AB and David. David, let's, let's start with, with the firm. And they will move to your the individual critical success factors. So, in building a firm from Ghana and taking it across the, the borders of this country, what, what's your big lesson about building capacity? I think culture uh, should be the most important factor because uh, everybody thinks differently. And uh, in the 54 or 55 African countries, uh, depending on whether you want to add reunion, Apart from dividing it into the linguistics and then anglophone, francophone, even the individual countries within these broad uh, definitions also have their characteristics. So, for example, in Ethiopia, 
until about two years ago, a lawyer could only practice as an individual. You could not even form partnerships. Right. So, so if you want to deal with Ethiopia, then you have a situation where creating a corporate culture is an issue. Or you go to a place like Botswana, where until the person is resident in Botswana, uh, having the name of the firm be able to be used in the country becomes a challenge. So these different cultural um, norms in each individual country was perhaps the most difficult factor to overcome. Right. But, but for me, that itself poses a challenge. I mean, I personally, I just love the this, this, assembling, uh, disassembling complex things. So, right. I mean, that, that very factor was the reason to do it in the first place. Right. So, which means that in, in selecting which county to go to, you need to you need to understand, do your research and understand the the pre- prevailing circumstances in each, in each in each jurisdiction. Definitely, and then you need to also have the right people there to deal with because I mean, without the right people, you are not exporting. We are not exporting lawyers from Ghana to these countries. We are actually working with local lawyers there, so you have to get the right people there. So, just as an as an indication, currently we are working on Zimbabwe, and Zimbabwe will be our next stop. Uh, there are several reasons why we are doing Zimbabwe as an example. So you, you definitely have to work with local lawyers. I mean, I work with three people. We've moved Zambia from two lawyers to nine lawyers in one and a half years. So, and they are all local lawyers. Yeah. Let, let's talk about building your capacity in the local firm before you even venture out. What were the things that you did? What, what year did the firm start? The firm was set up in 1998, but right. we did not, I mean, go outside Ghana until about four years ago. Right. Even though we had been working outside Ghana from 2004, I mean, directly from Ghana. But right. going outside was about three years, three to four years ago, yeah. I'll tell you why it's interesting. I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's of interest to me. I mean, I, I believe that somebody listening tonight is thinking, how do I take my business, my concept, my idea from a local to a multinational okay. player? So I'm thinking, how did you build capacity to be able to then now export um, the concept to another country? What were the things that you paid attention to? To to start with, I mean, my view, you shouldn't even think of crossing the border if you have first not consolidated your own base. Right. So we had to build Ghana, I mean, uh, strongly. And lawyers and professionals generally are the most difficult set of people to work with. You have to recognize that because a lawyer doesn't need to work for you. He, once his head is on his shoulders, he can go out and be practicing on his own. So for somebody to decide to work with you or work for you, there must be a reason why you, he, you, must, you must be leading him. And, and you need yourself as a person to focus on that and look at how you can create an environment that people who are equally brilliant, if not more brilliant, will be ready to work with you and be focused on that, on that human factor. Right. After creating that and also setting up an office in Takrade and Kumasi, as well for a period of about eight years, we thought we were ready to go out. So, so you're saying that get the human factor right and create an envir- environment that will allow professionals to be able to shine. Yep. Right. So apart from the environment and, and infrastructure, what about infra- infrastructure? It, it, we, set, we set 10 key factors that we needed to achieve. And the environment is just one of them. So for example, uh, one of the things that we did was to declare ourselves a for happiness enterprise. Now, this may look very odd, uh, but as a firm, we, we said to ourselves that we do not exist for money. We exist for happiness. And our, our clients must be happy, but our clients can only be happy if our staff are first happy. So we created a lot of things that make made it easy for people to work in the firm. And once you create that environment, people tend to perform, especially if they are professionals. They, they excel because they are enjoying what they are doing. 
and the environment only is an impetus for them to deliver what you expect that they should be able to deliver. Explore this for happiness enterprise. So, yes. So, so work and happiness. I mean, so if I walked into AB and David and I was, I, I was, I was, let's say a member of staff, what, what is it that would make it? Um, a, a nice and fun place. Quite a number of things. We have the, one of the most nicest environment to work with. There's no doubt about that. Anybody who has walked into our office knows that for a fact. Even if we say, we say that ourselves, we have one of the most best working environment you can have physically. We put in place the mechanisms in terms of what you... Of course, there's remuneration issue. And of course, I do believe among the legal profession, we are one of the best paying I mean, law firms that you can work for. We also created an environment by making sure that the workers themselves made the decision. So you'll find that in the firm, we do have something called the Life at Work Committee. And that Life at Work Committee decides what it is that will make employees enjoy. So this committee is chaired by non-management staff. I mean, it's, it's consisted fully of non-management staff. So they come up with concepts like lunch for staff, aerobics. People can actually leave their desk, go and do aerobics and come back to come and continue working. These are all concepts created entirely by the Life at Work Committee. And the idea was to let them feel the happiness that drives the work that they do. You may also find that in, in, in the top law firms in Ghana, by the way, there's a trend which is emerging, and we discovered that trend much, much early. There's a trend towards females. There's a lot more female. We have a 70-30 ratio. 70% of female work in the firm, and the partnership is a split of 50-50. I mean, in Ghana, in the Ghana office. Without accommodating, for example, people who have to attend to children, who uh, have to go on maternity and come back and work and all the rest, you would then be losing sight of the, the, the influence of the she factor, if I may call it so. So we have factored all this into, so as an example, the current managing partner about eight years ago had to join her husband in the U.S. and she worked out of the U.S. for about three months. Working from, I mean, uh, the U.S. is possible and we, we didn't see why the technology could not do it. Or we have people who go on secondment to other law firms outside and still be able to work for us because you have to do that work-life balance. And it makes people, I mean, feel that's the happiness concept that we, we sought to create. I'm sure we should, we should, we'll talk a bit more about, about for happiness. I mean, for happiness, for happiness enterprise. It's quite an interesting concept I'd like to explore a bit more. But tonight, our focus is on, on critical success factors. David, we want you to walk us through, if you had the opportunity to coach emerging leaders, if you had to share your thoughts with a group of, of leaders, what would you call the 10 key factors that would enable each person to achieve their personal aspirations and go on to become great? What, 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 what would they be? I mean, in no particular order, walk us through your philosophy of life. Okay, I'll, I'll walk through the philosophy as it drives me as a person. Right. So, so it's not necessarily uh, what you read from books, but, but, but I've, that's I've exactly this, what exactly. you're looking for. And, and before I go into the points, uh, I God is a central point in everything that I do. So I do not consider it as a factor. It's the foundation. Right. So you, you, I, when I count 10 factors, I do not count God because you can't do anything without God. That, that's the very foundation. And right. personally, I do not really feel happy when I see people count the factors of success and they add God. The essence of everything that you do is, is, is that very uh, uh, God, I mean, itself. Secondly, success means different things to different people. So for a politician, for example, it may be winning an election. Uh, for a businessman, it may be having a return on capital. For 
an employee, it may be a simple thing like passing an interview or rising to a head of a department. So, have you sat down to define your own concept yes, I have. of success? Give me uh, an idea about what success means to you. Success means to me that ability to be able to solve complex problems I see around me every day, which I think are the things that is needed to make the change. So, as an example, if I take it from a personal perspective, I could have been practicing as an individual lawyer. And, and I do believe I would have made enough money uh, I mean, if, if I did that on my own. But that would make me happy. So for me, success is being able to have a profession or have a firm that makes a significant change in the profession of law practice and take it from the old system of chamber system that used to exist, which the Brits stopped long ago and which Ghanaians are still holding on to, and create a firm approach that can hire quite a number of people. So. In Ghana, total number of staff we have in Ghana alone is close to about 55 people. Around Africa, we have about 120 people working. I mean, in that type of profession, that's what I call success. Because what I'm seeking to do is to break that syndrome where foreign firms come here and do everything. Just, just to give you an indication, UK law firms alone make 2.3 billion estimates in terms of 2.3 billion pounds from Africa in a year. All African law firms put together do not make even half of that money. So somebody needs to make a change and break that cycle. That is what success means to me, breaking that cycle of creating a Pan-African firm from Ghana because the only people who have done it are the South Africans. The Kenyans have a network. To be able to take something out, that's what success means to me. It is not, it's not driven by money. So when you lie down to sleep, you think about that as your response to an issue that is big, that is global. Yeah, you have to be the change that you want to be, so you have to create that change. I right. mean, instead of complaining about it, yeah. Right, right. But so, having having laid that foundation, let's 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 walk through your 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 critical success factors. But this definition of success is very interesting. I must say. Okay, my 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 my, my first point is let love and talent decide. It's as simple as as simple as that. Before you do anything, it should be decided by love and talent. So, for example, you have to fall in love with what you are doing and stay in that love. Now, without that love, everything will become, it's a, it's a chore. It becomes a chore, uh, actually. And, and, and are you referring to your professional life? Yes, I'm referring to my professional Because if, I do not segregate myself as a human being between professional and other life. I'm one complete human being. Right. And I love everything I do. Right. As much as possible, I limit things I don't love. If I don't love it as much as possible, I will avoid it. So, so in choosing anything that you want to do, you're saying that love and talent must be the drivers. Yes. Right. Yes. Because talent is God-given. The only thing you are supposed to do is to exploit it and improve upon it. And then you must love it because without love, then it becomes very stressful. So it's essentially, I, I mean, I, 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 to some extent, I'm a workaholic. But much as I try to take a break in that workaholic mode, I'm enjoying what I'm doing. It really is not a chore to me at all. I don't even feel that I'm working. If I see a complex problem, breaking it down is a challenge. And if I go home, I'm happy that I was able to crack it. And I always tell people, I think incrementally. I break everything down to the point that it looks so easy. And I wonder, why didn't the other person get it? Right. And that gives you the thrill. Yeah. Right. So if you if you don't work for love and talent, what what could be the other possible contribution that will, will be driving those who don't work for love and talent? Because people who are looking for success often get confused and focus on money, fame, or power. And and and, and one of the points I will be making is ability to stay focused. You you see that because people are not working for the love and talent, they get sidetracked by, for example, fame and power. And and in all sincerity, 
there are many people who start very great enterprises and end up in politics because the law of politics, the law of power, the law of control of other people becomes an attraction and let them leave what God asks them to do or the talent God placed in them and they find themselves in all kinds of places. So if it's for love, you can do it even without asking for money. You believe you are called by God to do what I believe once you can define your talent, that's the role God wants you to play because whatever I'm doing is making a change that will otherwise not be made by another person. Yes, and it's a calling to me. And your talent is? Oh, very. I'm, and I'm multi-talented. I mean, I say I, I, that, that's very true. So your talent is? My talent is the ability to break things down and solve a problem. Right. Yeah. Right. It's 23 minutes past the hour of 75 just joined us. My guest is David Opposidotis. This is the managing partner or the founding partner of AB and David, the law firm, a Pan-African law firm. And his first critical success factor is let's love and talent decide. Very interesting one. What's number two? Number two is what some people have described as a Matthew effect. Right. And and, 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 and for those who are biblical, you may find it in Matthew 25, verse 29. And, and uh, I preach this when I do orientation for, for staff. These days, I do less and less of that. I mean, the, the, the other partners do it. But I believe strongly in the Matthew effect. It's simply that lesson that uh, uh, Christ taught regarding the tal- parable of the talents and said that unto him who has more is given. And unto him who, who has not, even the little is taken away from him. Now, the point is this. If you have anything you seek to do, my recommendation is, and this is what worked for me, implement immediately. The reason is, Many people do not move because they are waiting to perfect it in order to move. Now, when you want to perfect it, what you are seeking to do is to create the best. But the best is often the enemy of the enemy of better. So, if what you are having or what you seek to do is better than what is existing, just proceed. Once you start, it creates the momentum, and the momentum that you get from even the little success that you have gives you the impetus to be able to move on. And you'll be surprised how much more is added to you. And the Matthew effect really, really works. For me, it has worked. Um, another school of thought will argue that when you, when you put out unfinished concepts, you are not able to optimize the returns. What, what would you say to I that? I do not believe in that. I, I'm a, uh, I call myself a multi-talented person, and one of my talents is marketing. And I believe in very uh, uncommon marketing principles, one of them being that he who is first in mind controls the customer. And as a result of that, don't wait to perfect it because once a person enters a customer's mind, the rest is history. The, the ability to dislodge a person who is already in a customer's mind is a very, very a difficult task. So don't wait to perfect it. I never do. I just go ahead and start. There are a lot of people who keep waiting and they never start. And the next time they see, and to just tell, give an example, somebody actually came to my firm from Nigeria and said, David, you are living my dream. And I asked you why. And he called his colleague and said they had been talking about this idea for 10 years. And I told him, anytime God gives you to, gives you an idea, he gives you to 10 other people. If you cannot implement it, fine. Those who implement it, he will take the little that he gave you and give it to the other people. And that's the Matthew effect. Yes, I believe in it. I live by it. To him that has more will be given, and to him that has not, even the little they have will be taken away. That's Matthew 25 and the verse 29. All right, let's go to your third, your third principle. My third principle is have a strategy, but don't develop a strategy until you take care of two key points. One is that strategy is context-specific. So some people will develop a strategy take doing things that they are not capable of doing at the moment. If you recall, at the opening I said, for example, that 
we needed to be able to have multiple offices in Ghana before we thought about going outside Ghana. It would be unthinkable to have two lawyers in your firm and then be thinking of going to set up in another country. So your strategy must be context-specific because it must, it must fit where you are at the moment before you are starting. The other key thing you need to understand about strategy is that culture transfers strategy. And if your strategy is not taking account of culture, forget it. Let's take an example. If your strategy is to develop a firm which will outlast you, and you will notice law firms, uh, doctor, great hospitals, engineering firms, often do not last beyond the founder in this country. Now, the reason why it doesn't do, I mean, it doesn't happen, is because most of these founders actually set up these firms with the view that their children will inherit them. What if your child doesn't, I mean, study law? And, and you find that in some in some cases, some doctors have been forced by their parents to become doctors, not because they wanted to be doctors, but because their parents were hoping that they would be, take over their practices. Now, that culture itself can be a problematic issue. So you have to develop a strategy which is not which is not focused or which overlooks the cultural nuances we do have. And let's take an example of lateness. Lateness is a typical culture in the Ghanaian society. If you set up a most beautiful firm and you pay the higher salary, but your lawyers are late to work, your clients will come for a meeting, and the meeting is 10 a.m., and the lawyers are arriving at 10.30, you will lose all your clients. So every strategy must fit the context of culture or must take the, the step to change culture in order to fit what you want to do. Otherwise, culture will, will destroy the whole strategy. Actually, it is one big reason why this country hasn't moved forward as much as it ought to move forward. Because we constantly imbibe, culture, we imbibe strategies developed elsewhere without fitting it into our context. I mean, our context. So let me ask you a question about culture. Do you, do you take culture on board and let it define your strategy or does your strategy change culture? It's both. It depends on the context. So I, I told you it's context-specific and you must take account of culture. So, for example, if the culture is that which will benefit and elevate the business, I will take advantage of that culture. But if, let me give a typical example, right. we tend to be collegial as, 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 as a people. And therefore, if you have a situation where workers can be more friendly among themselves, it's, it's, a, it's a culture you take advantage of. But if the culture is such that it is not uh, uh, in line with modern corporate practices, then you have to make a conscious effort to change that culture. So a very good one is a situation where owners and founders of business like to own it all. They want to own 100% of one instead of 10% of 100. So if you don't change that culture as a founder and be ready to share and have other people own shares in the business. We, for example, are creating an employee share scheme, which, be, which people find strange as a law firm to do that. Because I believe that you have to take a move yourself away from the culture of 100% ownership in this country in order to create what you want to do. 29 minutes past uh, of 7 o'clock. The first one, let love and talent decide. Second one is a Matthew effect. Implement immediately and keep improving. The third one, let your strategy be context-specific and culture-specific. My guest, David Ofosidote, founding partner, of AB and David, a law firm. What's your fourth, your fourth prescription? Critical sex factors. What's your number four? My fourth prescription is don't have a vision until you get out of the box. And, and, and you hear people... Boxes, <laughs> yes, I will explain that. You hear people say that think outside the box. But many people who are saying think outside the box are themselves inside the box. Once you are inside the box, you can't have a vision because you can't see beyond the box. You have to break down the box in order to see far. Now, there are two ways box, boxes appear. 
if, for example, you believe that you are a Ghanaian and as a Ghanaian lawyer, you have to end up in politics or you have to uh, stay in Ghana and practice as a typical chambers uh, approach, you are in a box. If, if you break down the box, you have to ask yourself, why? Why is this so? Once you're able to challenge your thought, you have broken down the box. But that's the first thing you do to yourself as a person who is, I mean, uh, the entrepreneur. And everybody should not be an entrepreneur. It's not everybody who's, who's supposed to be an entrepreneur. The other one is, a lot of entrepreneurs put people in boxes also. So even when they get out of the box, they have actually boxes all around them. So they look at their employees and they think, ah, this employee is not devoted. He's not, I mean, the, the person comes to work late just one day. Instead of trying to explain to the person that why this corporate culture is bad and trying to cure that, he just decides, maybe he brings his wife in and the wife decides that the wife comes and fires the person. Or he defines how to treat and relate to the person just because of that one incident. So you go to certain places, there's a lot of tension there because everybody is defining another person. This person is how he is. You've created, created boxes all around you. So far as you have boxes around you, you can't have a very good vision. So if you walked into, for example, Zambia, and you have put Zambian lawyers in a box, you can't work with them because if you define the barriers within which they can operate, no, never have a vision until you get out of your box. Right. And you don't put people in boxes. Then you can see very, very far. So take the box, throw the box away, and make sure you don't put others in boxes. Exactly. <laughs> right. What's number five? Number five is human beings are your most important partners, not technology or money. And many people set up businesses and they think technology is what will drive them. Now, it doesn't matter whether you are an individual or you have a thousand employees. It doesn't really matter. There are some people who work as an individual. And, for example, one, one lady that I mentored to help set up, uh, she runs a, tra a travel and tour agency. She works alone. But you have to be selling tickets to people. You have to have somebody who, for example, runs a messengeria service to sit on a motorbike and go and deliver the ticket you have issued or pay the money and pay it into an account. So no matter how hard it is, you definitely have to find a way of overcoming your ego and working with people. Many brilliant people have not been able to work with people because there's a lady, for example, who used to work for me who left and went and worked for another lady. Three months later, I asked her, I met her in town and I said she has left the place and I said, why so quickly? because they promised her some very good money. She said one day she was taking water and the lady came and said that you don't drink water in the office. When you want to drink water, you have to go out of the office because the water will spill on the carpet and the carpet will have a stain. Now, if you cannot let people drink water in your office, you have a big problem. So human beings are your partners. If you cannot see that human beings are your partners, what you have made your partner is money or the fame or the self-aggrandizement. And then in that case, you have actually lost it. 33 minutes past the hour of seven if you just joined us this is a discussion about critical success factors at this halfway point let me just walk you through what we are trying to achieve in this series there's a seventh installment in what we call the critical success factors and so every guest we bring here walks us through in their opinion 10 things that every emerging leader every leader every person who wants to make an impact in their lives must have interestingly every one of the leaders every one of the guests we've had brings their own perspective to the issues and they take it from a very different angle and they say it with so much conviction because that is the life they've lived and so our job at the end of the series is to collate what everyone has said and see are there commonalities what are they saying that is, is common to all of them and where do they differ so strongly based on their experience and based on their observation and by the way david just as a matter of interest observation and experience which one is a better a better teacher 
think it's more of experience and I would say maybe 60, 40 and 40% of observation. Uh, I have grown up and done a lot of things I have done without necessarily having a mentor or mentors. Uh, had maybe one mentor early in life uh, and, and that's about it. Uh, so I've had to learn from other people and I was there from other people and steal ideas in quotes and be able to do it myself. Uh, so with that, I have relied a lot of an observation. But in applying the observation, you make mistakes, experience, and you correct them, and then and then and, and, and then you move forward. In fact, it's based purely on that that I developed this concept that strategy is context specific. If you don't focus on your context, forget it. Observing and learning from others will not help you. So, what to work for somebody may not necessarily work for you. Not at all. I mean, all right, all right. Let's go to number six. Number six is that you need to have core values. Uh, and those core values must drive you. I mean, for me, my value is actually only one. So it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, you don't necessarily have to have more. If you have one, that is fine. And, and, and mine is trust. It's as simple as that. And, and the trust drives everything I do. One, I must trust myself that there are certain things I won't do. For example, I will not cut corners. And, and I, I've done it over and over that I can trust myself that this is how I will do this. You must also, I mean, I, I also have developed a situation where I want others to trust me so that I can deliver on what I promise. Your staff must trust you because if you give your word, you must keep to your word. They must trust you because they must see a sense of fairness in the organization. So trust drives a lot of things that I, I, I do. But I also do believe that trust is also a compartmentalized thing. For example, my wife knows he, she cannot leave a, a baby with me because she knows I cannot handle a baby. So you cannot, if you trust a baby with me, you are, you are creating a problem. But, but if you trust a complex legal or even societal, societal problem with me, trust me, I will solve it. So, so that's, that's how I see so there's it. A, there's a link between competence and trust. Yes. And your competence doesn't extend to look at the babies. Things I cannot do. I, <laughs> I actually fear babies until they are about eight months. And uh, one of the things my wife does, I mean, in those days, she will come and leave the baby on me. And she knows once she leaves the baby on my lap, I will sit there until she comes back. <laughs> because she, I'll, be, I'll be too afraid to get up. Right. Yeah. Number seven. Number seven is to have key areas of focus and stay on the focus. Look, on the path to success, there are a lot of side attractions and diversions. And I see too many people get diverted and sidetracked. The, the diversions could be promise of fame, it could be corruption, it could be ego, it could be anything. Uh, and it's very, very easy to get sidetracked. And at the end of the day, you realize that you go to that diverted I mean, place or on the diversion path, and then you are not able to achieve that target that you set for yourself. So you have to really stay focused. What is the what is the biggest what is the biggest factor that prevents people? You you started in ninety eight. That must be how many years now? That's eighteen years now. Eighteen years. Yeah. I mean, when you meet people who have run a business for eighteen years, twenty years, twenty two years, and are still and are still driving it and building it and growing it, the big lesson I would I would like to share with our listeners: what is the biggest hindrance in your your opinion to to focus? I think there are three of them, and uh, uh, people get sidetracked without realizing that what it is. One of them is when you are going through challenges, real challenges, because people expect that once uh, uh, he or she has started some enterprise, uh, she she or he is expecting that oh, suddenly I'm going to achieve the success that I mean Albert achieved. 
Albert has a different talent. So I think last week when I was listening to the program, I heard somebody say that he wants to be a motivational speaker. Right. The person may want to be a motivational speaker because he heard Albert speak and thinks, okay, I want to be like Albert. The question is, do you have that talent or do you love it? If you miss that point, you may be doing motivational speaking. Then one day somebody comes to you, why don't you contest for parliament? And then you realize that suddenly parliament becomes an attraction. And then before you are aware, now you are on one side of the political divide. And your motivational speeches and taking Ghana as it is very polarized now begins to be, be, to be interpreted within you have really lost it. So there are, there are three things I was trying to identify. One is when you have challenges or difficulties, just the fact that you are not making money. I mean, there are people who stop doing business or, or moving on to their target because they were just not making money. Right. And that can even lead you to start taking bribes or etc. Right. So that's one. The other one is money itself. Money. Having it. Yes. Right. Having it itself can also be a diversion because having the money itself at times then people then begin to believe that then I have it all. Uh, you are not, to use a popular phrase, you are not my co-equal. <laughs> so then it begins to drive what you do instead of the fact that the partners you need are the human beings. The other one is ego, fame. That, that whole issue of I am the founder. So and let me just give you an example. One day I had to go to a meeting in the ministries and my driver was not around and I flagged the taxi. And somebody, a security man at the gate, why are you sitting in a taxi? No, 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 wait, can I? And I'm like, what is the problem? He could not imagine that I was going to stop a taxi. And I'm like, what is it? I can join a trotter if I have to. And if I'm joining a trotter, I'll join it boldly. I mean, it doesn't take anything away from you. At times, little success makes, I guess, so much ego. And we forget that when you get ego, then you, for, you, you begin to lose track. And that success itself will lead to a sudden fall. Right. So you, you, you have to, if you look at these three things, you can almost stay focused. The, the fact that you have succeeded is not a reason for you to feel pompous and begin to lose track. The fact that you are suffering is not a reason for you to stay focused. The fact that you have made money is not a reason for you to leave the very goal because your goal is not money. Your goal is to do that thing that you think your talent makes you do. But, but maybe sometimes you've struggled so hard to get to where you are that Charlie, some, a few. <laughs> I'm asking the question. I mean, when I'm, you look at how far you've come and how much struggle you've had, one is tempted when you when you make some progress to let it get to your head. No, it shouldn't get to your head. I mean, uh, and 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 I, I I don't know for whatever reason that you chose for, chose the quotation you chose at the beginning. Right. I mean, who am I? that the Lord has brought me to this place. Right. You, you, you must humble yourself. The fact that you have achieved that is not the reason for you to get into your head. No. Right. I mean, uh, I in my office, everybody calls me DOD or David. I, I don't want to be addressed as Mr. It's a culture we have created. I'm not saying go and replicate that culture because you may go and call your boss by the first name, you get fired the next day. <laughs> <laughs> so, all that I'm trying to say is that the pomposity that gets comes with money at times really i really don't understand where it comes from it's god's grace challenges money and ego of him three big distractions in your quest to stay focused these are the three things you must watch okay let's go to number eight three more to go number eight you must set a benchmark right in everything you do you must set a benchmark and i don't lower standards once i say that this is the benchmark and let me just give you an example as a firm for example we decided to go for what is called the lexel accreditation the, now, some companies go for ISO 9000, uh, Balance Scorecard, Sigma 6, trying to set a certain standard that the company 
in, in law practice, there is something called the lecture, which the UK firms, I mean, use the benchmark, the top firms in the world, and said that if you want to call your practice a very good practice, this is the standard. A lot of firms have tried it and failed all around the world. I mean, they, a lot of them have also got it, but no African firm had passed. We decided that we were going to do it, and three years ago, we became the first and still the only African firm, let's say, accredited. That's a benchmark you go for, and we sacrifice nothing for it. So far as we are concerned, if, if you set that benchmark, you do everything it takes because that is the standard you want to attain. If that's what you want to attain, you are ready to do everything it takes to attain it. If it gives you a throw, fine. And this is just an example only. But even in the single document I'm giving to a client, I want the client to feel when he gets it that I have solved a problem. I've disaggregated all his complex issues. And that is what makes me happy, that he is happy. That benchmark is what I need. If the client is not happy, I've not attained my benchmark. If I, if I can summarize your life in one sentence, it will be that your whole philosophy of life is breaking down complex things and solving them. Is, is that a good description? I should say 80% yes, but there's a purpose to that breaking down and solving them. Help us understand that purpose. That, that purpose is to solve a problem. You shouldn't, you shouldn't leave this world the same way you came to meet it. Right. You should leave this world better than you came to meet it. And, and if you ask me if I have a fault... The fault is that at times in helping people solve problems, especially people who are superior to you, they end up misunderstanding you. Because I have this passion of, you want to do this, I think this is the way to do it and I can do it right. And in helping you attain that goal, at times that zeal makes some people think, ah, no, uh, why is he doing this way? Because the person is still in a box and he's not been able to break that box barrier, which is, which is, which is important. So it's not just disaggregating problems. But it's a great problem so that you don't stay with problems. I hate staying with problems. You solve it and move to the next problem. What would be the ninth point for anyone seeking to make a difference? It is to develop a genuinely good image and market it. And, 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 and this is very important. I, I take some of my key marketing concepts from the Bible, actually. It, it, I define marketing in a very awkward way. It simply means doing good and letting people know you are doing good. That's what I call marketing. So if if you do good and you don't if, if you haven't done good let me put it in that way and you keep advertising and the good thing about law is that you are not allowed to advertise anyway but if for example you place an advert which is not true and people find out oh this water it has this quality and I take the water and I realize it doesn't reflect the quality I start bad mouthing you and you might as well not have started the advert to start marketing you need to be sure that what you are saying is actually true when people find it is true that's when the actually expectations are exceeded because they are not expecting that what you are saying is going to be true because marketing is a gimmick that everybody is going for in the first place. So you really need to be very genuine. And as the Bible says, when you light a candle, which is good, put it on a hilltop or on a table. Don't put it under a bowl. Right. So if you do good in the corporate sense, let everybody know you are doing good. So that is so marketing. First but, light, but you should not first light the candle. And yes, light and, a and candle. And let it be a true candle. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. It's 15 minutes to the hour of 8 o'clock. If you just join us, my guest for tonight, David Obusidotte, the, the founding partner of, of AB and David Law Firm, walking us through his own 10 critical success factors. Let me bring number 10 in, and then we'll see if we can bring our listeners in to find out which one speaks the most to their personal aspirations. What will be your number 10? My number 10 is take advantage of opportunities and do so fast. Now, Again, opportunity is something I have a very clear definition for. If you start taking advantage of opportunity, when it's opportunity, you're in the commoditized market. You must actually create opportunity. 
and there are lots of it around you all the time. Lots of opportunities. And uh, I mean, at times I see businessmen who the opportunity is seen sitting right in front of them and they cannot even see. And let's take a simple thing like Africa Rising. Uh, between 2010 and 2015, Africa has captured the economy's front page about four times. The first one was when they described as a hopeless continent. The second time was when we were rising. The third time was when they showed the giraffe and saw how much Africa is stretching. The last one was about three weeks ago when they talked about the 1.2 billion opportunities. Yet, this Africa rising story, some may not see it as an opportunity. Because, for example, if you sit in an aircraft in, let's say, in the U.S., a typical American is not that educated, I mean, in terms of geography. I've met somebody who gave me a letter and asked whether I could give it to his friend in Sudan. And, and, and it took me a while to explain to him that Sudan was about 10 hours away from Ghana. Somebody actually once asked me whether Ghana is the capital of Ivory Coast. Because at that time, the Ivorians had won a football game. So they are that not educated, quote-unquote, when it comes to geography. They call the 55 countries Africa. For somebody, it's a disadvantage. And you quarrel, I don't. For me, if you call me Africa, that's an opportunity for me. That means I can go out there. Because so far as you are an investor, you are seeing... We are seeing one country, and I take advantage of it. Opportunities are everywhere. You have to take advantage of it. It's 13 minutes to the hour of 8 o'clock. If you didn't hear anything in the last few minutes, opportunities are everywhere. Take advantage of them. Let me run you through the 10 points that I have here from David, and I'm going to open the phone lines in exactly a minute after the commercial break. But the points that he has shared with us, he started by talking about his own definition of success, being able to solve complex problems and making a change or making a difference. Talked about breaking cycles and turning things around. And so the 10 points, let love and talent lead. Number two is the Matthew effect. Start, implement immediately and keep improving. Number three, let your strategy be context-specific and quarter-specific. Number four, don't have a vision until you can get outside the box. Number five, human beings are your most important partners. Number six, have your own core values and his is trust. Number seven, stay focused. And by the way, the three major barriers to focus are... The challenges or setbacks you might face, money and the ego of fame. Number eight, set a benchmark. Number nine, develop a genuinely good way and then market it. And then number 10, take advantage of opportunities and do so very quickly. The phone lines are open now. Call into the show. Let's talk about the 10 critical success factors. Hello, good evening. Hi, good evening, Albert. How are you? Very well, and you? I'm good. Thank Fantastic. You. Your name, where are you calling from, please? Um, Derry. I'm calling from Accra, Adenta. Derry from Adenta. Could you tell us which of the 10 points speaks the most to your aspirations? I mean, the one that talks about people. In fact, in the U.S., when you are graduating, uh, most of the lecturers will tell you that keep the contact. And it will take people and the contact to go places and to do things. Uh, by God's grace, I, I I have used that principle and it has helped me a lot. You won't believe it. And with all humility, I have been to several several places. I've been to the British House of Lords. I've met Honorable David Boating. He came to Ghana. We interacted, and it, it sometimes it's just so amazing. And those people and contacts have signposted me to other places, and I'm so happy and grateful unto God. Thank you very much, Derry from Adenta, and keep listening to Springboard, your virtual university every Sunday evening at 7. All right, so his, his point is definitely about people and definitely about, about contacts. All right, 
let's let's have the next call. Hello, good evening. All right. So the number to call zero three zero two two one six five four one. Is there any of the ten points that are spoken very much to your aspirations? Call into the show. Let's talk. Hello. Good evening. Hello. Evening. Your name. Where are you calling from, please? Yeah, please. My name is Ernest. Calling from Adenta. Oh, today Adenta is Adenta is very much in the line of fire. Ernest, tell me, is there anything yes. that has spoken to you this evening? Yes, please. I think the second point that implement fast and keep improving. So the Matthew principle. Yes, please. All right. So you don't want to find out that somebody got your idea 10 years ago and, and sat down and, 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 and ran around in circles without doing it. <laughs> yeah. Actually, sometimes you conceive of ideas and you realize that there is that desire, that passion to continue. But a little bit of relaxation might sometimes kill the drive. Right. Yeah. My son doesn't kill the drive. So I think if you conceive idea, it's better you implement it fast. Right. And keep improving. Yeah, that, that's what I think is the best. So, NS chooses the Matthew effect. Thank you very much, NS. And I have Edward from Accra. Edward, good evening. Hi, good evening. Uh, and thanks for the program. Ah, most welcome. And, and and is there any point that is speaking to you this evening? Yes, I think in the discussion, one thing that he kept on mentioning was ego. You know, for us men, especially when we are in leadership and authority, ego. And how that, that, that can be a destructive thing. But I wanted yeah. to ask him also, when he looks at the Ghanaian corporate culture, private corporate culture, what does he think? Are we are we really doing badly as far as corporate culture in Ghana is concerned? Uh-huh. All right, so you have a question about corporate culture and his own his own evaluation of how well we are doing. Exactly. Okay, I'll ask David to close with those thoughts at the end of the show. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much, Edward, from Accra. Hello. All right. Two, two, zero, three, zero, two, two, one, six, Call into the show. Let's talk. Is there any point that has spoken to you this evening? Hello, good evening. Good evening, Reverend Albert. Your name, where are you calling from, please? My name is Albert. I'm calling from Tessano, please. Albert from Tessano. Yes, right. So, Albert, tell me, is there any point that is that is special for you this evening? The very special one for me. All of them are great, actually. But the very special one for me is a, um, have a key area of focus and stay on focus. Ah, the one on focus. And, yes. In particularly, the three things that can easily sidetrack people from whatever they're focused on, especially the one about challenges. Right. I think it's very, very much happening in my life most of the time. When you're going through something or when you want to do something, you come face to face with some challenges and, you know, you might look around you and you can see other, especially like he is multi-talented. I'm also in a way multi-talented. So I can do so many other things. And sometimes you think, okay, now let me leave this and go and do that one too. I can imagine. That one will work for me. And sometimes it keeps you, just gets you sidetracked. On your focus, and I think it really, really did um, catch my attention for that one. Thank you very much, Albert from Tessano. And please, please let's let's make a date again next week, and let's see if we can glean some other useful lessons. Let's let's end with Harry from Mamprobi. Harry, good evening. Harry, um, Albert, good evening. Um, I'm calling from Mamprobi. Good evening, Harry. How are yes, you? Yes, I'm fine. I'm fine. I identify with with um his his things about ego. You know, my car was sport once, and I was taking the um trotter to work. And when I got to work, my staff were all about, why do you pick trotro? Why do you pick trotro? You are a doctor. You're going, your, your patients will see you in a trotro. And I'm like, hey, uh, that's how I started. And going back to that level is, is, not, is, is not difficult. For the show that I work in, um, one-man shows have what have, have made medicine and dentistry not pick up in this country. Right. Because you have brilliant doctors in several brilliant hospitals, but no private hospital can offer you the services of Colibou. Right. So if Kolobu is not there, then you have nothing. Right. And that has been our being. The, the law firms have been able to do it, but in our field, 
one man show because if you combine some of the private hospitals over here, we'll have world class um, facilities that would attract medical and dental tourism. But we, we limit ourselves, and that's what is uh, really, really affecting us. And I, I really enjoyed his talk today. Thank you very much, Harry. And please keep listening to Springboard, a virtual university. Okay. All right. So, Derry chose people, Ernest chose the Matthew effect, Edward chose ego. Albert chose focus, and then Harry brought us home with ego. David, take us home. I mean, Edward wanted to know, are we doing well in terms of corporate, um, building corporates in, 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 in the corporate culture in Ghana? Are we doing well? And the same point is the one Harry is making that, listen, if we keep doing this one man, she won't go anywhere. Take us home in a minute. We are not doing well at all. I mean, uh, I must be frank about that. We are not. And I had occasion recently to give a public lecture uh, at the British Council Hall on Ghana's competitiveness, and I, and I, and I made a point that, that, that the point we suffer from what is called the disadvantage of advantage whereas we have innovative people we exploit our innovation in the wrong area and i remember giving this example about how our funeral industry has grown so much because we have actually gone to the state stage where we have created innovation where people are now when they are being laid in state they can actually stand i don't know that you saw georgia test uh, uh, own Right. If we brought that innovation to the other corporate sectors, of course, funeral is also a corporate sector or a business sector. If we brought it to that sector and we were able to also overcome our culture where each man wants to be alone and he cannot work. And, and, and the point he made, the medical officer made, is not different from lawyers. We are all professionals in the same. And we suffer from what is called the high achiever syndrome. Where we think we are good, somebody will call you a legal luminary. And because you're a legal luminary, you think nobody else will be able to work with. Everybody is not a luminary right. other than you. Right. Or brilliant doctor, expert engineer. If those things get into your head, then you cannot even listen to people and you're unable to work with people. So you can't create a corporate culture. It's the same thing when it comes to manufacturing. It's, it's across. We can, do, we can do better. We have to change our attitude to, to the corporate world. Thank you very much, David. It's been a pleasure having you here on the show. So you've been looking at a man who believes that he's called, he has a calling to demystify complex problems and create solutions that will make the world a better place. He didn't mention law when he mentioned his calling. He says he, he demystifies complex problems. David, let's do this again one, 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 at another time. Sure. Right. <laughs> on behalf of Comfort, Matthew, and Amos, my name is Albert Okran. God bless you. God bless you. And God bless you. Good night. Thank you for listening to Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast by Albert and Comfort Okran. Like our Facebook and Twitter pages at Albert N. E. Okran and Comfort Okran A for free resources and information about our itinerary, conferences, and media broadcast. For speaking appointments, email albert.okran at icloud.com or SMS or WhatsApp us on plus 233 Zero, zero, zero. You may also subscribe to www.albertokran.com, amazon.com, or your favorite online bookstore for copies of our inspirational books and audiovisual materials. Until we come your way again, always remember, you are blessed indeed. Oh, 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 oh,